I'll be reading from 1 Kings 19, 1 through 16. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. It came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush, fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then laid down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by his food, he traveled forty days and forty nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very jealous of the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then the great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood on the mountain of the Lord. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here? He replied, I have been very jealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant tore down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back to where you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king of Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphath, from Abel-Mahalah, to succeed you as prophet. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So my teenage years were some of the darkest times of my life. In middle school, in my first few years of high school, I just couldn't stay out of the principal's office. I was obnoxious. 
I enjoyed the attention of being the class clown. And I just didn't have any respect for any kind of authority because I lost my dad and he wasn't around. I was sad and in a lot of pain. I had to move away from my grandparents who were the closest people to me at the time. And I felt a lot of resentment towards people, especially my peers. Because in my eyes at the time, they had everything I wish I had. A house with their own room, rides, places, and a family who had the tools and the resources for a kid like me who had a big basketball dream to be successful. Someone who could help me with my homework and tell me that dreams are possible if you work hard and you put in the work. And most of the people that I went to, the, that I went to school with had that, and it made me angry. So I would just lash out on people. I mean, I got in so much trouble that one day I'll never forget. Mr. Richardson sent me to the assistant principal's office. <laughs> I got there, and she looked at me and said, I don't even want to hear it. And she pulled out a penny, flipped it, looked me dead in my face and said, heads is five days and tails is three. That's how long you're going home. Or oh, I'll never forget the time when Mrs. Cashmark got so upset at me, she stopped teaching, slammed her hand on the projector, turned it off, pointed at me, and said, you're going to be pumping gas one day, and sent me out the classroom. I for sure was headed down the wrong path. But there was this one thing that was positive that gave me so much joy. There was this one thing that when I crossed between the legs, in and out, stepped back, hit a three, all of a sudden the pain went away. And I smiled. And I laughed. And people wanted to be my friend and they looked at me like I was somebody when they watched me play. And I never wanted that to end. So in middle school... Basketball literally became my therapy. From the time I got off the bus until the sun went down, every day I was dribbling a basketball. The game of basketball became everything to me. Fast forward to high school. Ninth grade gym class, students are watching me play and they're like, yo, this kid is the truth. The teacher, Coach Gyro, who was the assistant women's coach at the time, Tells the varsity coach, this kid, Deontay, he can really handle the ball. I think he's good enough to play varsity. The coach, who also happened to be my ninth grade world history teacher, <laughs> promises me that as a freshman, I'm going to be his starting point guard, and my job will be to run the offense and just pass the ball to the team's best player, Brent Jones. So I'm excited. I'm walking around school now like the big man on campus. I mean, you can't tell me nothing. My life has purpose now. My dream is coming true. And then tryouts happen. Turns out you actually, turns out to actually be good at organized basketball, you actually had to have played organized basketball before. 
When I tell y'all I stunk up the gym, I mean terrible. I'm missing wide open layups. I'm passing the ball out of bounds. People passing me the ball. Now all of a sudden my hands don't work. I mean, just embarrassed myself because of the anxiety, anxiety that I felt from doing something that I've never done before. So they put me on the JV team as the 15th man. And now I'm showing up to school and I ain't the big man on campus no more. I'm a laughing stock. I ride the bench that whole year and I fall into a deep state of depression. My dream shattered. The one thing in the world that gave me a reason to live snatched away. And I find myself once again sad, depressed, angry. So I go into my sophomore year and I stop caring about everything. I'm lashing out on people again. I'm failing all of my classes. Now I'm even smoking weed before and after school. And then one day I finally reached my boiling point. So there was this running joke around the school that, pe that people made fun of me for. Because everybody knew it was my dream to go to Duke. Always been a big fan because of J.J. Riddick and Coach K. So one day, while we're playing volleyball in gym class, a kid made a really hurtful comment towards me about my grades and called me delusional. So I took the volleyball, I threw it across the gym, flipped him off, and yelled at the top of my lungs, I want to kill myself. And I stormed out of the classroom into the locker room, and I just sat there in silence. Fifteen minutes go by. A police officer walks in. And he tells me to come with him. He escorts me to his patrol car, transports me to a psych ward. And for the next 36 hours, I sat in that room and I wanted to die. Why did I share this story with y'all this morning? Because a few weeks ago, I came across an article that just pierced me to my soul. The article talked about the rising rates of depression and mental health disorders amongst teens today. The writer highlighted that according to a new CDC study, the number of American students who say that they feel persistent feelings of sadness and hopelessness is the highest level of teenage sadness ever recorded. And one of the main contributors to this crisis is the constant pressure of teens feeling like they have to compare themselves to others and judgment based on how they're perceived by their peers because of social media platforms like Instagram and TikTok. So for some reason, teens feel like their, 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 their self-worth is measured by how many likes they get on the post or how many followers they have. 
And if they feel like they're not receiving the same amount of same amount of attention as some of their peers, then this lack of attention somehow defines who they are and how they're perceived based on this platform. It becomes their reality. Hmm. And they find themselves extremely sensitive to the judgment of others and feeling worse than they felt before they logged on these apps. For me personally, it wasn't social media because we didn't have Instagram when I was in high school. I'm old. But I could immediately identify with what a lot of these young people are experiencing. Especially when it comes to feeling sad and lonely because you care about how you're perceived by others and what others think about you. But before I really dive into this issue, first I want to say that if there are any teens here today who are experiencing feelings of sadness, hopelessness, depression, loneliness, You are not alone. God understands you. God is not mad or disappointed in you. God is with you. God is watching over you. And your life matters to God. And God has a plan for your life. And we know this because of what Elijah went through. Elijah is a mighty prophet during a turbulent time in Israel's history. The nation rebelled and turned away from God to worship the idol Baal. And the king, Ahab, marries a pagan princess, forms an alliance with the pagan country, and promotes idolatry in in Israel. So Elijah is sent by God to show Israel the evil of their ways and encourage them to return to the Lord. Elijah courageously defeats the priests of Baal by God's strength and intervention. But in the following chapter, we see a fearful, exhausted, scared, depressed and discouraged Elijah who asked God to take his life because the way because of the way he's perceived by people who are chasing him and trying to kill him so he lays under a tree depressed and he wants to die and he feels alone but God doesn't take Elijah's life he encourages him And he tells Elijah to get up and eat. And he strengthens him. And he tells him to get back on the road and continue the journey and believe in the plan that I have over your life. I know that you're in pain. And I'm right here with you. Go and pour oil on Jehu and make him king over Israel. Then pour oil on Elijah and make him a prophet in your place. You are not alone. There are 7,000 people in Israel who haven't bowed to Baal and whose mouths never kissed the idol. As teens, I know y'all are going through some things that's hard. 
Especially in this new age of social media where people try to associate your sense of self-worth with how many likes you get on the post or how many followers your account has and all the other dramas that come along with being on these social media platforms. And I know that the world is stressful with the rising number of mass shootings and the political environment that is more interested in dividing us as people than bringing us together. And I know you get scared. And I know you get exhausted. And all the weight from the troubles of the world start to feel like it's too much to bear and you can't go on. But just like Elijah, God says to get up and eat and keep walking. Down that path that I've set out for you. Don't worry about what others think. Get up and keep believing in the one who promised that he will wipe every tear away and walk with you side by side. Get up. Get up and keep believing in the plan and in the purpose that he's placed over your life. You are not alone. You have people in your life who love you. You have people in your life who care about you. Social media does not define who you are. God does. And he's been your number one follower since the day you were born. So get up and eat and walk in faith. My story didn't end in that psych ward. Later in that year, I met a teacher who chose to invest in me. And she introduced me to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I respected her so much, I listened to her advice and I chose to give this prayer thing a chance. Now, I could never get up here and speak as eloquently as Dan or Bob about the history of the church or tell you all the different ideologies of the church and the different theological perspectives of, perspectives of the early church fathers. I'm just not as intelligent as those guys in that regard. <laughs> but what I can do is get up here and tell you what God did. And when I began to pray, I poured out my heart and soul to God and I begged him every day to just lead me to who I am and guide me to be the best I can be. And miraculously, good things just started happening.
that next year I made the varsity team, led the team in scoring and assists, and our first winning season in six years. And that 2011 team, in December of 2020, was voted by the Baltimore Sun as the team of the decade. And later in that year, God will put another father in my life. Pop, stand up. Who mentored me. Excuse me. Who mentored me, was patient with me, and taught me how to be a man. Helped me get into college because my grades were terrible. I went down to Payne College and I worked hard. Got the opportunity to lead the student government for two years. Started campus ministry, tell my story, and walk on the basketball team and be named the captain and the starter. And if God didn't wow me then, he really wowed me. Because a month after graduation, while scrolling on my phone, headed up Escalade, I picked my head up and I saw a table that said Duke Divinity School. And all of a sudden, that dream that I had as a teen was possible. And I walked over. And I spoke with admissions. And after five minutes of conversation, Todd Mayberry looked at me and said, let's get you at Duke next year. And I got to Duke. And I got the opportunity to play basketball in Cameron. Start a youth basketball team for kids growing up like me. Tell Coach K that his book changed my life when I was 15 years old and thank him. Young people, there will be many trials in this life. And in no way am I saying that if you're suffering from depression, anxiety, or any other mental health disorder, that you shouldn't go see a therapist or a psychologist or a counselor. No. God placed those people in those positions for a reason and they can offer you great guidance and wisdom. But what I am saying is that it's normal to not feel okay sometimes. And that doesn't mean that anything is wrong with you. That doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. It simply means that you're human. And you have real feelings. 
And just like Elijah's situation, God understands this. And Elijah shows us that it's okay to be honest and vulnerable with God about how we feel. He didn't get upset with Elijah. He didn't tell Elijah to stop complaining. He encouraged him. And he encouraged me. And today, I'm encouraging you. To go into this next chapter of your life and believe in that plan that God has because he has one. Don't compare yourself to others or base your self-worth off some app or how others perceive you. Fall in love with who you are and the way God made you. And I promise you that when others around you see you walking in that faith and confidence, whether they like you or not, they'll feel liberated to be more comfortable with themselves and living in their truth. So I leave you with this. My youth is the best yet. All my faith lies in y'all because you're up next. No matter what the haters tell you, don't get upset. Leave all your hopes up to God. That's your best bet. Yes, with God you would never stress. It's people dying every day. You're still alive. You're blessed. He said he'd never leave your life if you just take a step. And life is full of ups and downs. It's just a game of chess. Peace, y'all.